0: So great to be chatting with you today.
1: Thanks for having me, Brandy.
0: I'm really excited to talk to you because we are a podcast booking agency here at Kitcaster, as you know and as everyone knows. But we don't we do not create podcasts and people get really confused with that. We we, we definitely stay in our lane and we do not get out of that lane. So uh, it's always nice to talk to folks who do the other half. So tell me what what got you started in the podcasting business to begin with?
1: Um, yeah, definitely share kind of why I got started in podcasting. And I think it's funny that my clients also ask me if I can get them booked on podcasts. And then what do you say? I'm like, no, I have to stay in my lane. We're good <laughs> at growing a podcast, but I don't know, you know, half of, of that other business. I it's, it's a totally different thing. And uh, so I can just help you start one. <laughs> Um, so why I kind of got into podcasting is I was doing real estate investing. Now I have a podcast company and my main business is podcasting. Uh, but I was, I was doing real estate investing and I remember uh, that like somebody told me and I believed it and I still do, uh, your network is your net worth. And Mm -hmm. so I thought to myself, I've got to find ways to grow a network. So I, I actually started a meetup group and a podcast and started getting a little bit more active on social media all around the 2016-17 era. Um, I, I thought to myself, I've got to, I've got to be able to connect with people. I've got to be able to have people talking about my content, even when I'm not in the room. And that'll help me to be able to grow a brand that's long-lasting. And, it, and it's been cool because it, it ended up working. I wanted to raise and attract private capital. Like when you're a real estate investor, People think that you have all this money, but you just have all this equity. So sure. I, I, you put all this money into properties and then you kind of run out and you would keep doing deals, but your money's tied up. So you start figuring out how can I do money with OPM or how can I do deals with OPM, other people's money? Mm-hmm. And so that was why I started the podcast, the meetup group and getting more active on social. And it ended up working, and I've raised millions and millions of dollars to be able to close on hundreds of millions of of, of dollars of real estate transactions. And um, it all came from having a podcast, but it, it was really hard in the beginning. I didn't really know how to how to grow it, how to how to get in front of the right people. But I'll say, even though I didn't have it all figured out four or five years ago, I have realized that there are some benefits to being a podcaster that like that go so far for most of us. One of them is that we're more likely to be invited on other people's stages, whether it's a virtual stage or a physical stage, speaking at a conference or being interviewed on somebody else's podcast or blog or whatever happens more often because we have our platform. Another awesome thing that's really helped me and my business a lot is you know, those first, those five people that you really hang around the most, it's, I've been able to hang around just a higher level person because now that's my friend. Those are the people now that I text is those famous people that we all like never thought that were touchable. For example, what's that guy's name? Um, uh, (laughs) that one guy, that one guy, you know, have you ever heard of, um, the miracle morning?
0: Yeah. Okay. So that, it's, it's
1: funny that I randomly don't remember his first name right this second, but I've got his cell phone number and it only became <laughs> is because of my podcast. So like uh, tw- two years in a row, I've texted him happy birthday. Uh, Hal Elrod. Two years in a row, I've texted him happy birthday. And I'm, and I'm thinking, thinking to myself, how is it that I have this guy's cell phone number? And he's like, thanks, Adam. Didn't like, didn't How does he know <laughs> me? And it's because I'm not like a cool guy, right? I just have a platform and we kind of start hanging out with uh, a different level of, of people.
0: So did you have him on as a guest?
1: I have never had him on as a guest. I spoke at a conference in 2018 or 19. And, uh, at that conference, he and I were both speakers. And so I got like him to sign my, my books and stuff. I was total fanboying. But somebody told him that here in Denver, where I live, I grew a meetup to become one of the top six meetups in in the world out of like 225,000 meetups. And so this guy named Michael Blancs, he's like singing my praise to Hal. he's this guy is so good. I was the one of the, the top affiliates for bringing the most amount of people to that event. And so Michael was like, you've got to meet Adam. And so we went to dinner and during dinner, dude, this guy is so cool. But the point is, Hal was considering creating a meetup called the Miracle Morning Meetup. And so he and I have been talking about that for the last couple of years. So it's kind of fun.
0: Yeah, I, I just, I think that that connection is is incredible. And, and I'm assuming that, you know, not only did you grow your business from people listening to your podcast, but were you having guests on that then became your the other people's money that you're able to leverage for more real estate in, investing?
1: I like that question because that brings up a key point to being a podcast host. And it's the fact of many people are just interviewing anyone for any reason because they either want to learn or whatever. But I became, after some time, I was doing it wrong for a long time, but then I became understanding of the point that I should be interviewing my perfect avatar. The person that I want to have uh, working with me in in my business, that's the person that I should be interviewing because of two reasons. Now I'm really connecting with that perfect avatar and I'm just offering value to them. And B, because I'm able to add value to the listener who's more likely to be my avatar because I'm asking the right questions to the right people at the right time. And so it became, I used to bring on people that were basically operating uh, real estate deals. They were raising money. And I asked Mm -hmm. questions like, how do you raise money? How did you find that deal? But it was funny, my avatar doesn't care how to find a deal or how to raise money. And I finally realized I need to have more passive investors coming, being my guests, And I can ask them, how do you protect yourself as a passive investor? What kind of deals do you look at? Mm -hmm. What type of markets do you look at? And after the call, whether it's immediately or months down the line, I can easily say to that same person that I had on the show, Hey, by the way, I remember you said you were looking at deals in Atlanta and you, you like deals that fit this criteria. It just happens to be that we just found one. Would you like to look at the, at, 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 at our offering memorandum? And they always say, Yes. And also the listener is more likely to be that passive type investor that's wanting to learn how to protect themselves when investing with other people versus how to find the deal. So I, I didn't learn that for a while, but the answer to your question is yes, not in the beginning, but yes, I did end up learning that I, I could interview the, my avatar and, and have that two way of, of, of growing the show and, and my business at the same time.
0: Yeah, that's really beautiful because it's almost like in the beginning you were interviewing yourself. Just right. (laughs) Which is which was probably a good thing too, because you were able to get tips from people that have been doing the same thing that you're doing, but then realizing that ultimately, like that's not really the place for you. So you're able to transition. So through all of that, then then you started your, your current venture. Well, when did that, like, when did this all take place? Are you still doing real estate investment?
1: Yeah. So I have uh, three passive investments that I've done, um, which those deals are still going. And so I just basically do the minimum. Sometimes the minimum is a hundred grand, sometimes it's 25 grand or it could be above or below that, but I've, I've got three of those, And then my team is currently operating. We've sold a few apartments, but we have like three. We have three left. One of them is up for sale and under contract. So we're about to have just two. Um, So uh, yeah, I still do real estate. Right now, I'm not trying to purchase new deals. Uh, It is said that in 2022, we're supposed to have a 17% increase on home values so that looks really good for investing in real estate, at least in the short term. My concern is that we've had such a huge inflation for such a long period of time. And there's a lot going on with um, the current administration. There's a lot going on with, um, with stock prices. And I yeah. think that some of these things are inflated more than they maybe ought to be. And so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm personally concerned what might happen in the 5 to 10 year uh, realm. And most of our deals we hold for five to seven years. And and then we'll flip them. And we we raise millions of dollars in order to be able to close on these. So back in March of 2020, we had a $20 million project under contract. And we had raised $6 million from passive investors as the down payment. Hmm. And we literally gave all the money back because I, w- I said to myself, I don't know what's going to happen. Like COVID's coming. This might be the crash. Now it wasn't, but I, I still don't know when that'll be. So I've stopped acquisitions, which made me have a little bit more time for doing other things. So to answer you, the other part of your question, when did I start this? Back in July of 18 is when I started helping some friends with their podcast. Mine had finally become a top 1% in the world podcast. And people are coming to me asking, how did, how did you do it? And so I, w- I helped a lot of people for free for a while. And then in, in July, I, I've realized I can really help some people just offload the hard stuff because some people wouldn't start a podcast only because they didn't want to be the own editor. And so I said, you know, I have some virtual assistants that have been doing my editing. I've, I have posted uh, well over 300 back then. Now it's Getting closer to a thousand. But at the time I said, I've posted more than 300 episodes. My team uh, really knows how to do this. Uh, Would you want to just pay a small premium? And I'll, I'll go ahead and just have my VAs take care of your show. So we started doing that. And in April of 2020, right after we gave back all that money and we we basically, by the way, lost like a half a million dollars Jeez. because there's earnest money yeah, and acquisition sure. fees that we didn't get. So um, after that, I said, well, I've got to find another thing because I'm not really trying to buy more real estate. And so I went all in and bought this freaking domain, growyourshow.com, which is probably, it, he the guy wanted 13000 Now, I didn't pay that. Um, but I was used to paying like $6 for a URL. And I'm, I'm looking at this being like, I want it so bad. I wonder if he'll take a little less. So I ended up buying the domain around April of 20. And we really um, exploded this. As we record, I'm up to 30 full time employees. So it's, it's been yeah. a lot of fun, a little bit of a growth.
0: Yeah. So what did you end up paying for the, uh, for the URL? I don't
1: don't know. I think it was between (laughs) six and eight, but I I need to like, I just remember it was more than half, but about half.
0: All right. I feel like that's, that's a good place to land. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I think that's such a a weird, it's an industry and it's, it's a strange one. Mm -hmm. So, well, I'm glad that you got it and that you didn't have to pay 13,000 for it. So you have Thirty employees now, and are they all in Colorado? Or are they everywhere?
1: No, I've got one in L.A., okay. one in Mexico. Who is actually my English major? Uh, obviously, perfect, perfect Spanish and perfect English. Um, but she, it, her name's Ludmila, and she focuses on all of the show notes, making sure that they're grammatically correct. And there's about 30 more that are in uh, the Philippines, like all over the Philippines, uh, which, which there is a lot of benefit where instead of paying like, we'll say $20 or $30 an hour for that service, yeah. it's it's more between the 4 to $6 an hour for that service. So I'm able to really pass on all, all those savings to our clients. But um, most of them are in the Philippines and all over. There's like dozens of dozens of cities throughout the Philippines um, but if you didn't know this, the Philippines main language is English. the second one is Tagalog and then there's like probably a thousand more.
0: So there's not a there's not really a language barrier for you
1: not so much there there are accent barriers for sure, sure. and there are times where if you have like um, somebody whose main language is like Tagalog for example, and they are explaining something to you. They might add an S when you didn't need one or take away an S where you did need one. But for the most part, it's it's understandable, you know, it's all intelligible. So uh, I found that because of those slight issues that can happen, uh, I ended up having to hire Ludmila, even though she lives in Mexico, she's like an English major and everything. Yeah. That way she, she can take that that person's show notes, and then she'll make sure that everything's good with them before they're ever published.
0: That's great. So are you still, are you hiring? Are you growing? What's, what's it look like for you right now?
1: Well, we just hired six new people like last week. Um, So we probably will wait until they're trained up and then we'll be able to hire more But it's a, it honestly, to be, to give you just the real and raw, it's a delicate balance. Like you hire too many and now your overhead is above where you need it. You hire not enough and then you can't grow fast enough. And so it's always like, okay, we just, we brought on six clients two weeks ago. Now we can bring on six, you know, more uh, staff and then we'll bring on some more clients and then staff. So we're just trying to keep the balance and, and make it so that we're, able to over, you know, pay for all the revenue uh, or excuse me, the overhead with revenue. Um, but right now we're probably going to get a few more clients and then I think I can get more, um, staff.
0: How many shows are you producing right now?
1: We probably have around 50 clients today. Wow. Um,
0: that's impressive. And 30 people producing shows. Some of them are daily shows.
1: podcasts. Wow. Some of them are daily. Some of them are weekly, but some are two or a week, three a week, five a week, seven so, a week.
0: And so are, are most of your clients, are they doing this to feed a business, build a personal brand? What are what are the motivations behind starting a podcast?
1: For most of our clients, I would say they they definitely want both, a, a big majority. Um some of them already have had a brand, like I uh, was working, we I just had a meeting with one of my new clients today, who's a, an extremely famous blogger, and she's been doing that for a long time. She has got a coaching program, but she's just never had a podcast. So she wants it to be part of her funnel, to be yeah. able to grow the blog, grow, you know, the things that she sells and her coaching and consulting. Um a couple of them like Mike Butler who's been working with us for about six months and he finally got his ranked in the top one percent right under the six month mark where we guarantee um he he's uh, really really famous in the real estate space um and he just he never listens to podcasts but everybody in the masterminds that he attends says what are you doing not having a podcast so he finally decided to do it at a five day a week. Uh, but it make it makes it easy on him because he pushes record and the team kind of does everything else. Um, but with that said, there's definitely a majority that haven't really had that platform yet. Mm-hmm. They're not really famous yet. And it's like, how can I kind of get grow a brand, as you said, Brandy? And what they've what they've done is decided that the podcast is kind of like a key reason that a uh, key thing that they ought to be doing in order to get there and it's it's literally working um it, it's it's been remarkable clients saying hey you know i'm making x amount of money more now because i have a podcast whether it's for selling their own products or services which now they're making like 20 grand more a month or whether it's to um sell ads ad space we have oh, maybe sure. three or four clients it's not a lot but out of all the clients we have i think it's like four people that are selling ad space and most of them are making about triple what it costs to have us. So they're, they're at least making, yeah. it's at least something that's giving them income, regardless if they sell their own products or services. But I think, I think it goes all over the board. People want to grow a brand. People want to connect with their clients, like we mentioned before with the passive investors on my first podcast. People want to uh, be able to sell more, be able to have another source or stream of income. Uh, so I, I think that growing a brand has a lot of reasons. And the last one that I'll mention that people are definitely seem passionate about, at least when they come to us, is they want to leave a legacy. their mm-hmm. Their big thing is is when they pass on, they 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 know that their voice can be heard for eternity. You know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a really important one, and that's one that we've actually talked about here internally. Is just and more from like a like interviewing your grandparents or you know an older couple that could talk about like a love a love story you know something that would be so cool to have for generations their kids grandkids um so yeah that's that's really an interesting perspective and how many of your clients started their own podcast and realized how hard it was and then came running and knocking on your door and yeah. Screaming, let me in. I,
1: I don't have the number in front of me, but I, I would say maybe about 20, 30% of our clients, we, we actually started their podcast for them. And the majority of our clients have been trying to do it for a long time. And they're either they're just not hitting the results that they expected and they know we can help them. Or it's, it's like, they just don't want to do all the editing and post-production anymore. Cause it, it, at, at one point a lot of our clients will say, you know, I didn't want to waste a hundred or two hundred or three hundred dollars per episode. I didn't want to spend that when I knew I could just do it. Um, but they yeah. found like it's it's taking them, you know, six, 10, 12 hours to edit one podcast. And they really should be making a lot more than that per hour. So they, um, they decide to finally, hey, if I get out of my lane, I'll be able to do a lot better. Um, one person in particular, um, they have a five-day-a-week podcast. And ever since they, she, the, the, the wife, it's a couple that hosts it. The wife, Eileen, decided that, they, that she needs to get out of it. And as soon as they did now their their real estate business, is like seriously taking off because she is focusing on the right stuff, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. And how many of these podcasts, what's the percentage of of the ones that you're producing have guests?
1: Most of them. Okay. I do recommend something that I tell almost everybody and I do on my own podcast. I like to have a combination of both solo Mm -hmm. and interview style. Sure. So I try. This is just me and my like bias opinion. And the reason I like it is I believe that your listener, your avatar needs to hear from you. They need to know you. They need to know who you are, what you're, what you stand for, what you're about, that you have knowledge yourself and you don't just ask people questions. And I think you only really get that if you have those solo episodes. So my main recommendation is do your solo but make it two to 12 minutes. It doesn't have to be long. Just pour into your listener with that topic. Let them know that you're an expert in it and that they can work with you if they want to. And so for me personally, I try to do half of my episodes. Every even number is supposed to be me by myself and every odd number is supposed to be me interviewing somebody. And some people would think, well, if you get all that value from... Being by yourself, why would you interview? And I, I seriously think that there's like three benefits to actually having the interview. Number one, you are connecting with somebody who you might be able to collaborate with or work with, or they might hire you, for example, or that you might be able to connect to their network as well. So having somebody else on your podcast has that benefit. The next benefit is if they're more likely to share it. And yeah. their their friends might say, "Oh, that's cool. You were on a podcast. I'll listen to it." And now they know who you are, hmm. right? Yeah. And and the third reason is the the one that I like the best. <laughs> even though the two the first two are better, the third reason it takes a lot of the burden off of you when you're just mm-hmm. asking questions. All the content is on them, yeah. and so you don't have to prepare. Maybe there's a fourth reason, and it's. Sometimes me as a procrastinator in college, I was the one who was doing my homework only the day that it was due. Um, and it's like, if, I have, if I'm deciding that I want to do an, uh, a solo episode, I might not do it. I, something's going to come up with my kids, my work. There's going to be a fire to put out. We're going to be bringing on a new client. I'll be able to justify not doing it now with some reason or other. But if I have somebody where we're planning to be there uh, Wednesday at 11 o'clock, for example, I'm going to show up. So it's always going to be recorded. And going back to the third reason, having the burden of content on them, it's pretty easy for me to just ask questions versus try to formulate exactly how, you know, what's my beginning? What's my middle? What's my end? How am I going to teach this? How am I going to, you know, prove that I'm so great at this or whatever it is? So.
0: Yeah, and I also think that there's a lot of value in just that, it, that engagement of being able to kind of riff off of each other. Your guests could bring up something that wasn't even on your radar and you're able to dig in a little bit deeper and it just goes, it just demonstrates your expertise even more. and maybe exposing something that you never really considered or a different angle. And then you're able to, to jump in on that commentary. So there's a, there's just, there's a lot of benefits, but I also agree. I think that being on your own, I mean, people are listening because of you and to have, you know, a place to, to monologue a little bit is important. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, when people are coming to you to seek out your services, have they typically been on a podcast have they been on an interview have they dipped their toe mm. in the, in the podcast waters or are they are they newbies
1: it's it's all over it's all over you know and by the way speaking of your service a lot of people come to me and they they don't know how they could ever get on a on a podcast they don't know like what's the first step yeah. uh, what they would do it certainly helps if you have your own show you are found a little bit easier by others that have shows and maybe want some reciprocity with the interviews. Um, but like a lot of them, they, they want to get on other shows cause they know that that'll kind of like get them the most value. Mm-hmm. But many of them have never done it. They're afraid to do it. They w- don't know what they would say yet. Um, and others have been on tons of podcasts and they've seen a ton of value by growing their brand and their exposure. And they want to level up. And it's like, hey, let me just have my own show where I can tr- control it. And here's my favorite thing, if you don't mind me sharing it, yes. is if you have a call to action, and you should, we should always have a call to action. So mm-hmm. my call to action is going to be this. If you're listening to this and you like podcasts, go check out our podcast, The Podcast on Podcasting. Same thing with these people. When they have all these random different calls to action, and the person listening is a podcast listener. You're swimming upstream for a lot of this other stuff. Give me yeah. your email. Uh, do this one thing. It's it's a lot of swimming upstream. But if you're a podcaster and you're on somebody else's show, you can just say, oh, well, if you like this content, there's more of it. Just go to my show. Yeah. And what's amazing is 100% of the podcast listeners that are listening to that show are podcast listeners every single one of them. Yeah. And so it's swimming downstream. You've got the tailwind. It's all going to it's all going to make it easier for you to get to that next level. So
0: Yeah. That makes sense cuz you're not making them take another action. They're listening. They'll just transition to listening to your show. They're not yeah. having to go to your website, download a white paper, connect with you via email. Yeah, no, I think that's a great call to action. That's fantastic. You know, it's interesting when people come to us, they a lot of times are interested in starting their own podcasts, but are nervous and want to want to just experience going on podcasts first before they start their own. But there's a place for everything, right? Like great. Yes, go on a few podcasts then start your own. Also, start your own podcast and and go on podcasts to continue promoting yours, you know, to keep driving traffic so that you can increase your standing in the podcast world.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100%. And I think it's critically important if you are a podcaster. Well, if you're a business person, you've got to market somehow. And I think that you get a lot of bang for your buck by working with a company like yours, by being able to get on all of these different platforms. Uh, one thing that I like about it is on the other person's podcast, their listener has probably listened on average to six of their episodes, which basically means that their listener trusts the host. So mm-hmm. when you can be a guest on that show, it's more of a handoff toward what you do. And it's always going to be a benefit. Um, but I would say that if you have your own show you got you literally got to be working with someone like you know your company because it's one of the main ways that you can actually grow your listener base like you can be struggling and you can be sad that you even started it because you don't have enough listeners you 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 started your show because you either wanted to um you, you either wanted to sell some services you wanted to leave a legacy you wanted to impact people's lives you can't do any of that if you don't have listeners and the number one way that a podcaster can grow their listener base is by being featured on other people's shows. So mm-hmm. I'm always telling people to do it. And that's why they ask me, how do I do it? And now I know I'm like, just go to talk to Brandy. She knows how to do this.
0: <laughs> yeah. And vice versa. It's same thing. Like We we have so many clients that have well been with us for years, have gone on like close to 100 podcast interviews. And then they're like, this has been fun. I'm ready to start my own podcast and it's just it we don't we just don't do that. So, you know, it's great now we have we have um some referral partners to to send clients your way. So, it's awesome. fantastic. Yeah, so, you know, when somebody is starting a podcast, it is a very hard it's a very hard heavy lift. So, what are If you were to just like the five most important things to consider sort of a question, right? I know there are so many, but just thinking about like when people are coming to you and they're, they're like, yeah, what is this? What are you going to, what are you going to, what is this going to do for me? Or like, how do I start my podcast? What is it that you say? I see you just. Number one. Yeah. (laughs) Number one
1: would be to figure out your goal it's like a destination it's like uh, a road trip you can pack your car and you can go somewhere with your family but if you don't really have that vision of okay we're going to go to disneyland we're going go to go check out you know this destination if you don't figure out where you're going you're never going to be able to get there so number one is just identifying what is my goal with the podcast what do i want to achieve how is it going to benefit me how is it going to benefit other people so If you can start by outlining your goal or your destination, that's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two is understanding, identifying and understanding your avatar. This is like critical and it gets missed by literally over 90% of podcasters. I see this all the time where the podcaster doesn't really understand their avatar deeply. And so they're not serving the right person in order to get to the right destination. So... What you need to be thinking about that it goes pretty deep uh, for number two with the avatar. It goes pretty deep. It's like you've got to you got to be thinking of of psychographic, demographic, you know, what are they struggling with? What are they what do they want to achieve? How much money do they make? Where do they spend their money, their time? Do they have a family or not? Are they what are they worried about? What are they looking to achieve? What's holding them back from being able to achieve that? When you can actually identify your avatar, now you're going to be able to move to step three. So this is, this is going to be the step where you start figuring out the content. You start figuring out, am I going to have guests or not? If I have guests, who will it be? If I have them and it's this person, what types of questions will be most valuable to my avatar? If I'm doing solo episodes, what should I, what should I teach, preach, and, and help people with, inspire people with? So it's figuring out the content. Step four is probably starting to brand yourself, and this is where like you you, you start looking at um, uh, colors, and to me, when we help people, we think about color psychology. It mm. might sound a little too much for some, but we basically think we know who our avatar is. So what colors uh, bring and attract that person? Is it, is it pink? Is it gold? Is it blue? Is it green? And some people might say, well, I like blue, and blue means trustworthy, and I want my listener to trust me, so I have to have blue. It doesn't work like that. Look at the color psychology a little bit better. The, the blue is for people who believe in trustworthiness it doesn't necessarily make them trust you just because you have blue. So you got to okay. be thinking, what does the red do? Um, red is a really good one if, you, if for somebody who wants to feel powerful, for somebody who wants to feel like th- they're going to achieve a lot. And you might be afraid of red, but if you if you have an avatar that really wants to achieve high things that doesn't let anything stop them, you might need to use reds. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you just, we should just like kind of look up all of this stuff in our branding. We start to brand, we start to think of fonts, shapes and sizes, uh, excuse me, shapes of like, is it circular? Is it square? Is it octagonal? Is it hexagonal? Is it oval? What types of shapes like really attract my avatar? So if you've done enough research on your avatar, you can figure out how to pull them in naturally by, by color, shape, sizes, your title. And your subtitle. Write that down. You have to have a title and a subtitle. Um, and, and it usually looks like this. Okay, we mentioned Mike Butler. Mike wanted to call his show the Mike Butler show. And he and I because we do all of these steps, these five steps that we're talking about, we do yeah. these for our clients. So Mike was like, Hey, I want to do this. And and I'm like, No, 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 no. This is nobody knows that, nobody's gonna think about this. Um, why does it need to be about you? It's about them. It's about your client. It's about that person you need to help. What are they struggling with? He goes, okay, well, my perfect client has a job. My perfect client doesn't want to be a full-time real estate person. They just want to do like I did and be able to get to a level where they have 20 paid off rentals in five hours a week or less. And I said, Mike, let's call it the five-hour work, uh, real estate week. Yeah, and, and he's like, ah, so we call it the five hour real estate week. And then we do a little subtitle that really speaks to your avatar, achieve this thing without this hard thing. So it's like copywriting. And so you want to be thinking of the title is more about what's going to pull that person in. And the, the subtitle is really going to help them understand what is the big promise of the show? What are they going to get if they're your listener? So it's, achieve this great thing over here without this hardship. For you, it's like get well-known without having to start your own podcast or get well-known without having to uh, figure out all this marketing and waste money on Facebook ads. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because now they can still grow their brand by working with you. So it's give them the good thing without the bad thing. For me, it's get to the top 1% guaranteed without any of the hard work. We, we are your easy button for podcasting and that that shares something it's like oh well i i don't want to be just a crappy podcast that nobody listens to i want to be in the top one percent so i know what i'm getting and i know that i don't have to do all of the hard stuff so you got to be able to do that messaging that's in number four the branding um you're also going to be trying to buy your your websites and your domains and i I might be going overboard, but what I try try to do is I buy every domain because they're usually six bucks. Now we talked about one that was like several thousand, but they're usually just a few dollars, like um, the Creative Real Estate Podcast. That's the one that I sold a long time ago. So we own creativerealestatepodcast.com, creativerealestate.com, creativerepodcast.com, creativerep.com. And we just find anything that so we can all the configurations. Yeah. And now we own all of it. And, uh, if you can do this, it might cost you between 300 and up to maybe two grand at the most, just have an attorney, um, get you all the copyright and register trademarks for your stuff. Because in fact, I used to use a tagline, which was press record. We handle the rest. Mm. And I got my, I reached out to my attorney and I said, I need you to do this. He put it on the back burner. No offense to him. I am a little sad, but he put it on the back burner. And about seven months later, somebody else registered a similar enough. It's like, uh, yeah, you press record, we do the rest or something like that. And, um, and they did it like seven months after I was trying to do it. And because we never filed, I actually had to change my tagline to your, the easy button for podcasters. So yeah, anyway,
0: that is. and, um, and step five is
1: to launch. Step five is to have a really strong launch plan where I recommend you call your friends, let them know about the podcast is coming out, ask them if they can leave an honest rating and review. By the way, don't ask for a five-star rating and review. People are less um, likely to give a rating review if you're, if you're obligating them that it's only a five-star. Interesting. But if you say, give, please Does give an honest rating and review, huh. they're always five-star anyway. Yeah. So, um, That's interesting. so I recommend you, you, you step five, have a big launch, use your email list, collaborate with your friends, uh, use a company like mine that can do some marketing for your show. Whatever it is you want to really blast it out, because in those first few weeks of your launch, in step five that you asked about, is going to be the the launch plan. And if if it doesn't get traction, it's going to be much harder down the line.
0: Yeah, so. it's an uphill battle for sure. I've seen that happen. Yeah, no, those are those are all really great tips. Um, that's really interesting about the rating it, that it's, it must play into just the psychology of humans. Like, don't tell me what to rate. Yep. I'll rate what I want to rate. <laughs>
1: yep. I'm certainly that way. I'm definitely like, uh, prideful enough to, you're not going to tell me to give you a five-star. I haven't even heard it, you know, but I'll listen to it. And I have to give a five-star. I'm like, I would be an ass if I, if I gave a, Four star. I
0: yeah. gotta,
1: I gotta give a five. So it's it's kind of funny how it works in our heads.
0: The, truly, yeah. So, you know, one thing that I would like to ask before we wrap up this hour is because our clients are typically guests on podcasts. Yes, they 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 sometimes have their own, but oftentimes not. But what makes the what makes a good guest? What are some tips that you can give us that? I mean, you've interviewed so many people. So what are the really great guests that you've had on your show?
1: Two big things that you need if you're a guest, and I know your company already teaches this, but you have to have a CTA. It's Mm -hmm. just totally pointless to be on somebody's show if you're not going to be able to convert it. It's going to take you one or two or three years until that same host will ever have you on again, if they will at all. And so if you're not prepared, with a call to action, go to this website, this is what you do after, you're going to lose. But as a host myself and having people on my show, I definitely don't mind if they're promoting that stuff. But when you come across or when it sounds like or feels like you're too um, scripted, or when it sounds like or feels like um, it's all self-promotion and there's no value, I always hate that. I've actually not published some episodes. There's been companies that, that have reached out to me and said, hey, will you have one of our clients on your show? And I'll say yes, but that client is all, they're like, they have an agenda. They, they, they're like, these are the five things I need to talk about, or this is the one thing I need to talk about, or stay out of Stay. I don't want to talk about anything except for my business. I, that actually does frustrate me a lot. I want, I personally need to add value to my avatar. Like when I'm hosting, I want my, my, my listener to gain knowledge. I'm happy if the guest also gets value. I love the win, win, win scenario, but when they come in and it's in everything that they say is, oh yeah, go to my website or this is how you hire me, or this is how much it costs. And it, Never seems to be more of like an authentic, valuable, genuine conversation. It's all scripted and agenda-like. It actually hurts my feelings, and I I cut those out. I, I say I even put in my original email: if you don't, um, it, it, I don't. I reserve the right to not publish this at all. Yeah, I reserve the right to cut out whatever parts that I want that might be self-promotional, or to not publish it at all. So I want people to be thinking about the value. I even start my interview with uh, my pre interview, like on the day that I'm recording, right before you press record. I always say, I always say, what value do you want to give to a brand new podcaster so that they don't come in with any of the mistakes that you've made? So I'm hoping to change that guest's heart initially from self centered to more outwardly focused. Um, so that's a big one to me. Um, other things that would be beneficial, uh, two more things. One is using actual stories. Like I've talked about Mike Butler, for example, using Mm -hmm. actual stories. Um, the second one is having like memorable, short, easy, easy, easy to memorize, uh, tidbits. You could, one thing that I often say is when you're starting your podcast, it's not a ready fire aim. It's a ready aim fire. Everyone else tells you that you should just start that if you build it, they will come. But the real thing is ready, aim, fire. Spend some time making sure that you get those five things we talked about earlier, right? Mm-hmm. And once that's done, then you're able to go to the to the next step and, and have a truly outstanding podcast. So this idea of ready, aim, fire versus what everyone else tells you is something memorable. It's something that sticks out. Or if you have an acronym, like if, if you say like, um, do TOC. TOC stands for, and you give them the thing that's very helpful. That's memorable. that something will last. I, so those are a few things that I think will really help you as a guest to stand out, to make sure that your interview gets published and to have the host feel like they want you back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that that, those are all very important and I love the, what are you, what, what's in it for the listener and I always tell our clients, you're not selling your product or service. You're telling a story that that's it. And that's what we're selling. We're selling a story. Like when we're reaching out to podcast hosts, we are selling a conversation. That's what we're selling. And a conversation is, is just this it's, there's no agenda behind it. Of course. Yes. Ultimately call to action. Great. Must have it. It better be good. But you're you. The whole part, the beauty of podcasts is this this engagement that you're having with another human, and that is the important stuff that's going to make people want to potentially work with you. Is that they get to hear who you are as a human being?
1: Yeah, yeah. the the more of The more you can think of other people, the more it's going to come back to you anyway. What's that guy's name? Zig Ziglar, I think. Zig Ziglar. If you, if you yeah. help enough enough other people w- get what they want, you'll have everything in life that you want.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: truly believe that. Like on, on even this podcast interview, my real thought is what's going to help somebody? And I bet there's somebody that listens to it or hears it or reads it on the blog that says, well, I'm ready to take that step. Adam would be a good guy. But that's not like the focus isn't, Tell them everything that you do. Tell them all about your kids. And it's not about that. It's about them. And when when your guest, when the guests that come through your program are working on being on all these other podcasts, if they also do what you just said and what's in it for me, what's in it for the listener, if they can really, truly outwardly focus, I think it'll become what Zig Ziglar said. And they, they'll have all the business they've ever needed and they'll have to hire 30 more people or whatever it is. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree. Adam, thank you so much. Give us your give us your call to action again. Give us your great. CTA.
1: Great. Uh well, I would just say go to go listen to us on the podcast on podcasting with Adam A. Adams. Um, and we we'd be happy to pour into you and it's a free resource. So
0: wonderful. Thank you so much. This is great. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Hosted, a podcast brought to you by Kitcaster, a podcast booking agency. If you want to find out more about Kitcaster, about Hosted, find us on all of the relevant social channels and tune in to more episodes of Hosted. Take care.